All right. Well, tonight you're going to be glad that you came to church on this Wednesday night. We have with us uh, one of our missionaries, and someone was saying tonight how good it is to um, see the faces of the people that we pray for constantly. Of course, uh, this is a face that we already know pretty well, Micah Reisner, and uh, of course he was part of this church years ago before I was, but it's good to have him and his family with us tonight, and I'm going to go ahead and have him come on up here. I know he has a video that he wants to introduce and uh, probably answer some questions for you, so Brother Reisner, man, it's good to have you yeah, with thank us. Thank you so much, Pastor. Well, it's so good to be here uh, this evening. We're, I'm always excited. Anytime we're able to come back to Quarter Baptist Church, it has such a special place in my heart. Uh, I played football here uh, at Century High School when I was a junior in high school just for one semester. That was back when I thought I was going to be a professional football player. Uh, and uh, I realized quickly that is not the case. So uh, I, it was about that time where the Lord, uh, actually under the preaching of Pastor House, uh, called me to preach. And I didn't, at that time, I was not ready to go back to Russia. I did, had no plans or desires to go back there. Uh, but the Lord, uh, through the preaching there of Pastor House and, and just the faithfulness of this church, showed me the need for more, more young men to surrender to the ministry. And, and that was something that was very special to me. And then my freshman year in Bible college, I surrendered to go back to Russia. God finally uh, finished his work, I guess you could say, on me there. Uh, so uh, it, it took me a while, but eventually we got where we were supposed to be going. Um, we, we were here about, I think, about one or two years ago. So you guys have seen uh, all of our, uh, our, our previous videos. So I gave my wife a couple of days, and I said, throw some pictures together and make a video. And she was awesome and did that for us. Uh, but I'm just letting you know in advance that uh, it's something that is just the past six months uh, because there's – a lot of amazing things happened in 2021. Uh, because of COVID in 2020, we actually were not able to come, uh, go back. We just finished furlough, and then a week before we were supposed to go back, they canceled our flight uh, because of COVID. And then we were stuck here all of 2020 and the first half of 2021. And uh, they actually weren't planning on opening Russia back up, but then they had the uh, soccer world championships in Russia. And you couldn't be in Russia just because on a visa, but for soccer, you could be there. And so uh, I looked into what tickets would cost, and it was cheaper than a visa cost. And so I said, let's go. And so we went there actually on a soccer visa, a soccer ticket that we got. And we were able to get back to Russia that way and see the people. We thought we were only going to be there for maybe a month or two. But then we were praying, and the people were praying, and then the Lord opened back up Russia while we were already there and we were able to stay throughout the remainder of our visa which was this past January. So it's just a really awesome story how God just continued to do miracle after miracle after miracle getting us back there and allowing us to stay there. Uh, and so we, we want to share this video with you. It kind of gives you an idea of everything that happened during that time. And the beginning, uh, it shows you actually how we surprised the people uh, on just a Wednesday night like this one where they weren't expecting us to come back because they had no idea. And I thought, hey, what would be cool is surprising the people and they have no idea that we're coming back. So I'm kind of clever that way sometimes. So let's go ahead and watch the video at this time uh, and uh, then we'll go with question and answer.
Praise the Lord. It's exciting. Uh, that uh, last video clip where you heard them singing, they actually sent us that. They actually got together on their own while we weren't there in 2020 and sent us and showed us that they were still singing hymns, still excited to meet together. We did a lot of things through correspondence. We still hold Wednesday nights through uh, online, uh, and then I'll usually record a video for Sundays uh, if the young men aren't there able to preach. But it's exciting just to see what God's doing, how the work has kind of started to morph into its own self-sustaining work, which is really what our goal is uh, of being over there. And uh, it, But be in prayer for the people over there because it's really hard, you know. Uh, we just went through 2020, and a lot of them didn't want to let us on the plane <laughs> to come back here. And then for everything to hit right now with the war and everything that's gone on, uh, I know it's of the Lord. Uh, we actually had uh, our theme for this year was faith in the face of fear. Uh, just learning and growing to have faith when fear is just right there all around you and uh, just learning to trust the Lord through all those difficult times and and it confirmed in our church knowing that God knew what was coming and, and he already had a plan for it and he's already, already going to protect his church and he has so uh, but be in prayer for the church they're they're de definitely going through it right now not everybody uh, has the same idea as the leader of that country uh, as is the case in many places um, but uh, it's one of those things that we're just uh, doing our best to tell them to keep their heads down and stay faithful to the Lord and keep his purposes on our hearts. So uh, at this time, I want to go ahead and open it up for any questions you might have. I could tell you all night. I could be up here all night telling you what I want you to hear. But if you have any questions at this time, let's go ahead and answer a few if we're able to at that time. Anybody have any questions on Russia or the ministry or anything over there? Well, I grew up over there, so my wife is still learning it. Uh, it takes about, I would say, three to four years to be uh, to where you can communicate with people. Um, it, it all depends. Everyone, everyone is different. It's amazing how some people will come over and after a summer they're already conversational with people. Uh, and then other people, like my dad, uh, will be there 25 years and, and still struggles with the language. So, uh, But he's, he does a great job. But it's just, it, it varies per person. But for us, uh, I grew up over there and just picked it up on the playground. And then my wife, uh, she's, she's conversational now and actually teaching some in Russian now. So it took her about three, four years to be able to do that. So the young man preaching was actually Andre. Uh, he's Alina's, yeah, it's Alina's younger brother. Uh, I don't know if anybody who's been there or seen pictures before, uh, but the, that family is just a close family to the church. And Andre was actually one of, when I started the youth group, he was the one that was against everything I was doing. And he said, nope, I don't want this. And I, I, we actually had a, a thing where I said, we all, the most important thing we need to have in our youth group is unity. So everybody that's on board being, having unity, if we vote for something, then we're going to do it together, even if it's not what you voted for. And I said, everyone in favor of that, stand up. And everyone stood up except for Andre. And I said, okay. So for two weeks, uh, I said, okay. And I put him upstairs, and he didn't come to the youth group. And that two weeks turned into two months, and he still wouldn't come to the youth group. And so finally, he came to me and said, uh, okay, I, I want to be a part of the youth group. And I said, uh, well, what do you want to do there? And he said, I'll do whatever you want. I said, nope, still not ready. And so I sent him back up, and uh, he still went up to the youth group, or up into the big church there. And then the next week he came back, and I said, what are you doing here? And he's like, I want to do what God wants to do. And I said, that's what I'm looking for. And so since then, actually, when I became pastor and took over the church, sorry, 
he came up to me and he said, well, what about the youth group? What are we going to do about the youth group? And I said, well, somebody's going to have to step up. If I'm being becoming pastor, then someone's got to step up and take over the youth. And he said, I think that's supposed to be me. I think God's called me to be the youth pastor. And he was 15 at that time, so I didn't throw him right into being the youth director at that time. So we, we let him fulfill the role of youth pastor in training. So that's what he's going through. He's now 17. Uh, and I, I, I just I, I can't believe how God has just grown him and how he actually leads the singing every Sunday now. He's tone deaf as all get out, can't, can't sing for nothing, but he can get people on the same page. And he does it, and he does it excitedly, and uh, he's, he preaches on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights. And, you know, he's working a job, going to college, as well as preparing sermons to try and help any time that he can. So it's just exciting. But be in prayer for him because when uh, the, the teens usually turn about 18, they're forced to go to the Army. And, um, and Andre right now is 17 and he turns 18 this August. And so if this war is still going on and things like that happen, we just we need to pray for him. And all of our young men that are at the church there, just that God will protect them and, and, and uh, that he won't, he won't have to go and do that. If they're, if they're in university, usually they, they get an exception for that. But we don't know if that's going to be something that he's able to do during this time that, uh, with, with everything going on. So pray for Andre. Yes, in the back. Yeah, uh, it's not as much anymore. It was towards uh, when we first got there, uh, our family got there. Uh, now we kind of have a compound there, uh, and we invite people to come, and, and really people can't get in unless they've been invited. And we've had actually a couple of people start to come. We don't know how it happened, but... Uh, Somehow, their version of Google Maps is called Yandex, and Yandex Maps has us right on there as a church. And we never registered as that or anything, but we've had probably about 10 people come to our church as a result of that being the case. But thankfully also, we don't know why, but the, the authorities have never come and knocked on our door either. So God's just done an amazing job of protecting the church there. Uh, and, and so just uh, continue to pray for that type of protection. But recently we haven't had a lot of that if we were there right now it could be a different story uh, but we'll just have to wait and see yes sir. yes Yes, praise the Lord. Yes, thank you so much for mentioning that. The wall is still standing. The roof still doesn't leak. And so we still have a carport there. So everyone that came over and helped was a huge blessing to the ministry there. And everyone that got behind them and helped with that, we appreciate that so much. We are still uh, remodeling uh, mainly the, the main zall, uh, I call it the zall, the auditorium. That's the word in English. <laughs> so the main auditorium, that's what we're working on next. First, we're going to finish that downstairs room. And that's going to be our fellowship hall. And we're going to meet in there while we remodel the actual auditorium. So that's what we're currently working on. You saw those stairs getting worked on. That's that big room right there. You saw some of the painting on there. That's, that's what we're going to finish first, and then we're going to start working on the auditorium. So, yep, still definitely remodeling, so that's part of it. Sure. 
Well, I'll be honest with you. You know, um, I don't think that. It, now, this is my opinion. I don't think that the majority of Russia is for this at all. Uh, from what we've seen and from what we've heard from everyone, that isn't the case. But you have to also understand that on the Russian television, 24/7, is a different message than the rest of the world is hearing. And they're hearing that we're going in there freeing Ukraine from these tyrants that took over Ukraine, and we're going to allow the people to decide what they want to do. And so Putin's portraying himself as a peacemaker that is going into this other country and trying to free the, you know, this area. And so trying not to get too into that, uh, some people believe that. And our first Sunday when this war happened, we actually had some you know, difficult conversations, we'll just put it that way, at the church, because we have people from Ukraine in our church and we have people from Moscow and, and Russians that are in our church. And, and they definitely let, made their opinions known about it. And we just had to remind everybody that it's not about that. You know, we're, we're not there meeting together to talk about one's, one politician's view over another. We're there to preach the gospel and we're there to worship the Lord. And so uh, remembering that our citizenship is in heaven first. And, and so that was the goal there. And since then, we haven't had really any problems in the church. Uh, but I do know that Russia is struggling right now. You know, they, mission, almost all the missionaries, I think all the missionaries that we know of have left the country. Uh, one of the missionary families actually struggled uh, leaving the country because uh, they tried to fly out and then that flight got canceled and then they ended up having to take a bus to Estonia. And on the border of Estonia and Russia, they almost didn't let them cross the border. And finally, they let them cross, and so they were able to leave. But over there, we can't get money uh, because uh, Russia was uh, removed from SWIFT, so there's no way for us to be able to receive support or finances over there. And one of our church members mentioned it, and I think it's the best picture of what it could be, is she said, it feels like Russia was just thrown 30 years into the past. She says that's what it feels like. It feels like we're, th we're where we were 30 years ago. And, um, and so she said that you can't always find sugar, you can't always find flour. She went to the store today and a lot of things were missing. And she said it's just a very, very difficult for us. So just be in prayer for us. So good question. All right, one more. Last one, not everybody at once. That's a great question. You know, the, right now people ask me, well, what do you, what do you, when are you going back? And I honestly don't know the answer to that. It's, it's one of those situations where we're just waiting on the Lord, you know, and he promises through Psalms that he's going to come through, you know, <laughs> sorry. It's really hard to be away from the people that you love and the people that you serve and are investing in. It's hard to be away from them, but you also know that your God knows what's going on and you know, he's taking care of everything and he's going to take care of those. And so he's going to show us the path. Um, if God allows us, we're there for life. <laughs> that, that's the goal. Uh, but if God says, nope, I have something else planned for you, then I, I told the church members he's going to have to pretty much come show it to me on a wall or something because <laughs> he's not going to get me away from Russia unless he makes it very clear to me. So that's my goal, and that's, that's how, I approach, how I'm approaching that. So, all right, very good. All right, Pastor, we got anything else? Or we go right into it. Oh, you're totally fine. Don't even worry about it. All right. Well, this evening, let's go ahead and uh, open our Bibles 
And some, some more will be uh, mentioned also in the sermon. I can't help it. I talk about our people and, and talk about Russia and everything uh, along with it. But we'll be in uh, 2 Peter chapter 3 is where we'll be this evening. Uh, 2 Peter chapter 3 and a familiar passage. Uh, some of you might have uh, heard before, uh, preached. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 9 is where we'll begin reading uh, this evening. Uh, 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 9. If you're able to, I'd ask you to stand in honor of the reading of God's word as we read here in 2 Peter 3 and verse number 9. The Bible says this, and it's a very important verse, I think, for every Christian to memorize. It's a very powerful verse that is an, a constant reminder and should be for all of us. But the Bible says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. He's not lazy. He's not ignoring. He's not, he's not avoiding things. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness. He's not procrastinating. <laughs> but is long-suffering. Tussword. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But, and this is important, the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, the earth also, and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for another opportunity, God, to preach your word. God, I just pray that you would allow your message to be preached tonight, Lord. Help me to just convey the thought that you've spoken to me. And uh, I just pray that you would open each and every heart here. God, help us to remove all the distractions and the things that are going on in life that could keep us from being able to hear what you have for us tonight, God. And I just pray that you'd help us to focus and listen, God, and apply it to our own lives so that when we leave this place, God, we'll be closer to you than when we came in this evening, Lord. I thank you so much for this church, God, and just the special church it is to me. I pray that you continue to bless it, help us to continue to grow and be faithful to you in all we say and do in your name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. Thank you for standing. Well, I don't know about you, but um, I've heard a lot of talk lately about the end times and how things are shaping up to uh, really go right along with Scripture. Uh, if you do a study right now of Ezekiel 38 and 39, and, and you look at uh, Revelation, you start to realize, and, st and if you do some research, you'll start to see that the powers that are in our world today are starting to form, and it's starting to look a lot similar to how the Bible talks about it. Uh, especially you look at Gog and Magog. Supposedly, you know, you do your research, and that land that it's talking about of the sons of, of Noah is actually the land of Russia. And Russia is, is formulating and is going to be in an alliance with who? Well, we saw with, with uh, Persia. And Persia, who is Persia? Persia is Iran. And if you know anything right now, Persia and Russia, I'm sorry, Iran and Russia are definitely buddies right now. They're starting to keep, keep things from happening the way they want to. And we, the Bible also talks about the kings of the east. And, and, and everything we start to look at, we start to see things forming. Because if you looked on a map, you could see that you have Russia over here. 
And Russia, as soon as this war happened, started an alliance with China, and China and North Korea also signed an alliance. And so now you have Russia up here, you have Europe over here, and you have the Middle East, Iran, Russia's ally south. So basically, all behind Russia, they have allies. And so what's stopping Russia from going forward and taking over Europe? Not a lot. But not only that, what's stopping Russia from, instead of going to Europe, begin to take all the former Soviet Union land and then eventually come down on Israel? And not just that, the Bible talks about Ethiopia and Libya coming up from Africa to where Israel will be surrounded on all sides. It talks about that. And there were times when Russia wasn't that close to Iran or Syria or anything in the Middle East. And yet today, that is not the case. And so as, we began, as I began to hear these things and as COVID hit and now as this war has hit, I've heard a lot of people talking about, all right, Jesus is coming again soon. And he very well may be. But I started hearing a phrase that I couldn't agree with. And something that, that rubbed me, I guess, kind of the wrong way when I stopped and thought about it. And I've been guilty of it. I, I'll be the first to admit I've been guilty of saying this phrase. But I heard a lot say, I hope he comes back tomorrow. I hope he comes back today. I hope, I hope Jesus is coming back today. And as I stopped and studied this passage of Scripture, something became very clear to me. That's a very selfish thing to say. Now think about this. When we say that, and I know what people's intentions are. I'm not trying to get on to anybody for saying those things. But I am saying we need to be careful. Because Christianity and the gospel, if we're not careful as Christians, it can become so self-centered. And we can only look at how it applies to us. And we can, only, and we can look about how it, it only affects me and my family. And we can start to think that, well, as long as me and my family are good, then let's go. Where's, where's God? I'm ready. Come back. But we forget that there are billions out there that have never heard the name of Jesus Christ even once. And there are those that are lost and need to be saved. And we, here, Peter is explaining to the church because he saw a similar type of situation. He saw them come, becoming complacent, becoming uh, as if they're just surviving through the persecution. And don't get me wrong, at this time in the Bible, there was a lot of persecution that was happening. And Peter this is his last epistle that he's writing to the church. And so you could say that these are kind of his last words he ever gives to the church. And in verse 1 it says, I'm, I want to stir up your pure minds by the way of remembrance. Peter, he, he's always had that zeal. He was always the one that went out ahead of everybody else and was ready to talk, ready to fight, ready to do anything he needed to do. And sometimes God had to, Jesus had to kind of pull him back because he was, he was going too crazy. But we, it's awesome to see it at the end of his ministry here. He still has that zeal. 
He still has that desire to go and preach the gospel and to teach the church. And so that's what he, he starts this chapter doing. He's, he wants to stir up the church so that they'll remember that it is so important to remember the purpose why God left us here. He left us here not just to meet together and to praise him, although that is part of it, absolutely. But the main reason I would say why we're still here is because there are those that need to hear about Jesus and who he is. And here, the church is getting excited. They think the last days are close and Jesus is coming again. And so they began to get excited about this, and, and Peter here is trying to calm the church down and say, the Lord could come. You're right, because Peter himself does, didn't know. You and I don't know. The Bible is very clear. No man knoweth the day or the hour of when Jesus will come again. We don't know that. But he says here, God's not ignoring his promise. as some men might ignore, but is long-suffering to us. Now this is interesting because here Peter is talking to not just, he's not just talking about lost people, he says us were. And that kind of confused me a little bit because I started to try and understand what that meant. Well, that just simply means all of mankind. And immediately, and it does apply, I will, I, I, it applies to the lost, absolutely. But something that I feel like we might ignore here is I think it's also for us as Christians. You say, Brother Michael, what do you mean? How could it mean that to us? It's clearly talking about salvation. Yes, you're right. It is talking about salvation. But you understand something? That when we stand before God one day, the Bible is very clear that we are going to give an account for how we live this life. You go through the book of Ezekiel and it talks about how there will be blood on our hands because there are people that God wants you to reach. There are people that I will not come into contact with. Your pastor will not come into contact with. Your coworkers, the people you go to school with, the people you go to college with. Other Christians won't come into contact with those people. And you know who they are. And God is saying, I'm going to wait a little bit. I'm going to give you another chance to go tell that coworker, to go tell those people, that cashier, those people that are on your minds, because one day you're going to stand before him as well. Long-suffering. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He chose to use you and I. He chose to use his church to tell others about Christ. Now, here's a question. If you knew, say God showed it to you. If you knew that tomorrow at noon, Jesus was coming again, would that change things in your life? Would for me. Think about that. Every lost person I knew, I'd be on the phone telling them. 
You say, well, missionary, have you not told them? No, I have. But I would call them again. Because if you know the day is coming, you're going to be doing as much as you possibly can. But also, it's kind of convicting because we say we believe Jesus could come any day. Don't we? Then why aren't we living like we believe that's true? And that's exactly what Peter is also trying to say. Is it's awesome knowing that we know beyond a shadow of a doubt if the Lord came back today, we would be going with him. I'm so thankful that I can stand before you today and be 100% sure that I'm going to heaven. By God's word, I know that. And that's exciting. And that is awesome. But for me to say, I hope Jesus comes back today, to ignore the millions, even billions, that have never heard the name of Jesus one time, I feel like our reaction can be so self-centered at times. And we need to stop and begin to look at this world the way God sees it. If we truly want to understand what his word says. And I really believe that if we knew that tomorrow Jesus was coming again, the proper reaction would be falling on our knees and saying, God, please give us more time. Give me more time to tell that friend, to tell that neighbor, to tell that relative. God, please give me just a little bit more time. So often I feel like we look at Christianity, we look at God through how it affects me. How can it help me? And that's not how we're supposed to be as Christians. I mean, study it out. What, what, when, when the lawyer came to Jesus and said, what are the greatest commandments? He says, love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul and all your mind. And love yourself. Yeah? Got something wrong there? Nope. Love thy neighbor as thyself. You see, there's no, thou shalt love thyself in the Bible. (laughs) God knew we already are going to love ourselves. It's natural. It's who we are, you see. And so he's saying, start to see the world through my eyes. Stop focusing on how everything benefits me? How does this help me? How does this make me better? And start to say, what is God's plan here? What does God want me to do here? Now, of course, it starts with making sure that you are a child of God. And that is very important. And I'm not here tonight to make anyone doubt their salvation. But what if Jesus was coming tomorrow at 12 o'clock? Would you be ready? Would you be meeting him in the air, as the Bible says? And if you're not sure about that, talk to somebody about it. Because it could happen. As we're looking at this world, we're closer than we've ever been. (laughs) We can say that for sure. And as we see things start to form and start to shape, it's not long, I don't believe. And if it's not long, we need to start getting ready for that. 
So how do we do that? We can't, okay, we understand, we, we, we start to look and see things through God's eyes. Well, how are we supposed to get ready? Well, first of all, we look in, let's look in verse 14 and 15 here. It says, Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent. Be diligent. That ye may be found of him in peace, without spot and blameless. Now here he's not talking about salvation, how you can lose your salvation. No, he's talking about one day we're going to stand before God. One day we're going to give an account. Are you going to make sure that you've done everything that God's asked you to do? Are you going to stand before him as a diligent servant that has tried to be faithful in every way possible? Are there some things in your personal life that if you were going to meet God tomorrow, you'd be ashamed of? It's a spot. It's a blemish on our lives. You know, it's interesting. As you begin to study Scripture, you begin to understand that sin not only separates us from God, it also separates us from other believers. Some of the people that causes the most problems in church are the ones who they've chosen to walk a life of sin. And that life then alienates them away from the church. And as they are alienated away from the church, they become an easier target for the devil to attack. And before they know it, they don't even have the same wants and desires that the rest of the church wants. Because they're so focused on how is it good for me? What makes my life better? Instead of taking a step back and saying, wait a minute, what does God want? What What is he expecting from me? So when you go to work tomorrow, when you go to school, think about that. How am I being the person that God wants me to be? Am I seeing this world the way God sees it? Or am I seeing this world through my own eyes and saying, I'm good, I'm ready, I'm saved. That's all that matters. It's not. There's an entire world out there that needs to hear of a Savior. I can count on one hand the amount of good gospel-preaching missionaries to Russia that I know of. Think about that. An entire country. Over 145 million people that need to hear. And there are other countries where there are billions that have never heard. The need is greater than it's ever been. And yet, I don't see very many missionaries going. Why is that? If it's true, and the Bible's true, and the need and our purpose is to preach and teach the gospel to the unreached, then why aren't more of us going? I'm afraid some of us have started saying, nah, that would affect my life too much. That would be, that would be too hard for me. 
that would change my plan. It's real. There's a choice that each and every one of us face every single day. Today, am I going to do my best to fulfill his plan or my plan? And only you can answer what that is. I'm not here to try and force people to be missionaries to Russia, although I would like the help. I would welcome the help. No, that's not our intention. It's never our intention to do that. But the need is great. And we need help out there on the front lines of Christianity. And I can't help but know that God is calling some. And they're saying, No, I don't want to go. But the need isn't just overseas. The need is also right here, right here in Hillsborough, Oregon. The need is all around us. When was the last time you sought after somebody to tell about Christ? When was the last time you went to somebody and inconvenienced them and it was awkward and you thought, what am I doing? But you knew deep down you were doing what God wanted you to do. Because our society is that way. The devil has done his best to make it as awkward as possible to talk to anybody about religious things. And no matter what you do, it's going to be difficult. And it's going to take humility and understanding that this is of the Lord to do it. But when you, have, when you have the proper perspective, like you start to see this world as God sees it, you're going to say, it's not worth it. I'm going to be awkward, and I'm going to tell other people about Jesus. And it's going to make me look weird, but that's okay, because their soul is worth it. And you never know what God will do through that. I think I've told this story before but I'm going to tell it again because I love it. It's my favorite story. I was working at a bank when I was in Heartland Baptist Bible College. And our college and career director there, he said, we're having a friend day, and you all need to invite your coworkers to friend day. And I went up to my college and career director, and I said, all right, I'm going to go do it, and I'm going to be faithful, and I'm going to invite my fr- fr- co-workers to friend day. He said, what are you telling me for? I said, because if I don't tell you, I know I'm not going to do it. <laughs> and he said, okay, well, go do it and tell me how it goes. So the next day I go into the bank, and we're getting ready our uh, teller drawers to open up the bank. And as awkwardly as you possibly can imagine, I just turned to my co-workers and said, Hey, everyone, I'm from Southwest Baptist Church. We're having a friend day there. I'd love you all to come and be my friend. Silence. Nothing. They just looked at me. Okay. Kept going. Kept counting their own money. I'm like, Lord, <laughs> what you doing? You wanted me to invite my friends to friend day. What's going on? And then before I know it, I heard this little voice. And a young lady walked up. She said, I've actually been looking for a church in this area. She said, can I come to Friend Day with you? I said, absolutely. 
She said, but one thing, actually, could I, could I come before friend day? I said, no, we have a friend day code. You must abide by the friend day code. I said, of course, that'd be awesome. And she came, and she loved it. And today, her name is Sarah Reeser. You never know what God will do through friend day. You never know what God will do when you invite people to church. And I am so thankful for that. But often I think of, what if I had gone in that day and been quiet? What if I had gone in that day like every other day and just did my plan, did what I was supposed to do, work my job, get my money, and go home? I, I probably wouldn't be standing here today. You never know what God's going to do. When you just say, you know what, by faith, I'm going to remove my desires, remove what I want out of the picture and say, God, what do you want me to do? You don't know until you do it. And I'll tell you this, I haven't heard one story of someone coming to me and saying, I wish I wouldn't have listened to God. I, I wish I wouldn't have done what he said. Because his way is always the best way. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's scary. But every time he comes through and he shows us why it was his way. Stand our feet and bow our heads. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for all you've done all you will do, Lord. I'm humbled so often when I see you come through time and time again. And I see my weak faith. And I see myself doubting. God, help us tonight to see this world the way you see it. To not get caught up in how you could come any time to be busy doing what you've called us to do until you do come for us. Thank you and praise you for all you've done tonight. In your name I pray. Amen. As the piano begins to play, if the Lord has spoken to your heart, won't you come?